This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and analyst for MLB.com, joined again by Matt Myers, MLB.com national content editor. We're going to get into our free agent predictions game today. We're going to go through the top 20 free agents as listed on our website, MLB.com, and Matt and I are going to make some predictions about where they may end up signing. First, there is a little bit of breaking news. The Angels finally have a general manager. This was confirmed just a few minutes ago after the Angels dismissed Billy Epler from the job. They have now hired from the Atlanta Braves, Perry Manassian. He is going to be a first-time general manager. The Angels are, I guess, always mad an interesting team because you always have to start with the fact that they have Mike Trout, who is obviously truly elite, the best player in baseball pretty much every year as far as I'm concerned. They have big names. They have Shohei Otani. They have Joe Adele coming up. They still, uh, they've had Andrelton Simmons. They've had Justin Upton, Albert Pujols. Uh, where do you think that he can go with this, right? Like the Angels have always been a tough team where we've talked a lot about how stars and scrubs doesn't work so much in baseball. Like the, the best teams have stars and depth. And yet the Angels never seem to have that. You also, by the way, you forgot to mention Anthony Rendon, who might actually yes, be the best player right. last year. He's also good. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Like depth has become the thing that, um, you know, that's basically what the, the Dodgers sort of have become the archetype of what every team wants to be of like stars and depth. And the, the Angels have just had a, a heck of a time filling out the bottom of their roster. It's just every year, it seems like whatever they try, it just does does not work. Um, it's going to take – it is going to take some work for Manassian here because, you know, they have the stars. Amazingly, this is this is finally the final year of Albert Pujols' contract. So that's been kind of looming over the, the, um, the teams for about eight years. Um, and it was a 10 year deal. So basically it's looked like a pretty big disaster since after year one or so. Um, but that changes the long-term outlook for, for the, for the club in terms of what they can spend and, and, um, what direction they can go. So at least he'll have a little more sort of like long-term, presumably a little more like long-term financial freedom in that respect, because they won't be, you know, sort of like you're marking $30 million for a first baseman who can't really hit anymore. So um, I think there's an expectation they're going to be players in the free agency market because they're always kind of players in the free agency market. But I don't really know who the 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 best fit is. I guess you know they, we'll get to our free agent predictions in a bit. But they've been you know I've heard Trevor Bauer's name linked there um, because they need pitching. But then again, kind of everyone needs pitching. Yeah, they they always need pitching. Like always, always, always need pitching. I think one of the the few bright spots for them this year was that they turned Dylan Bundy from, you know, a guy, a lowercase g, into a guy, like a capital G. You know, like that's kind of been their problem over the years is their best players have been high draft picks or highly priced free agents. They haven't really found like, you know, their Max Muncy type, you know, like the kind of guy they get off the scrap heap and improve. Like, the you know, the Yankees have done well with that. The Dodgers have done well with that. The Angels haven't really done that. 
so much. Um, Perry Manassian, by the way, has a really interesting family story. His dad, Zach, ran the Texas clubhouse. He was the clubhouse manager for the Rangers for, I guess, about 20 years. And so Perry and his his brother, Zach, kind of grew up in the clubhouse, um, which is kind of a really interesting way to have a childhood. And I believe Zach is now the director of scouting for the Giants. Um, so there's like a real baseball family. I'm kind of quickly scanning a, a three-year-old story here from um, Mark Bowman, who was our Braves.com beat reporter, where he points out that 10 years ago at Thanksgiving in 2010, Zach and Perry were each directors of scouting uh, for the clubs they were on, and they had to step away from Thanksgiving Turkey to discuss the framework of a deal which eventually became Sean Markham for Brett Lowry, which is kind of a fun family way uh, to spend Thanksgiving. All right, well, that's cool. The Angels the Angels finally have someone and just, just get Mike Trout to the playoffs. Like that's that's all I've ever wanted is just get the man to October. Like we talk a lot about, is he famous enough? Do enough people know who Mike Trout is? The number one reason above all reasons that he is not famous enough is because the team is never good and he's never in the playoffs. More people might know who Randy Rosarina is right now because the playoffs are what matter. All right, we are going to take a very quick break. When we come back, Matt and I are going to go through our top 20 free agent list as ordered at MLB.com and make some predictions. We'll be right back. You know what's a tough pill to swallow? Watching your team strand runners. You know what's an easy pill to swallow? The new daily multivitamin from official MLB partner Roman. The peppermint-coated pills are created by doctors and backed by science. Whether you're a five-tool player or just looking to support your general health, the 23 ingredients target men's everyday nutrient needs and overall well-being. Visit GetRoman.com MLB today to learn more and bring your A-game every day. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Mike Petriello and Matt Myers here. If you were to navigate over to MLB.com, you would see a story by our friend and colleague, Anthony Kastrovitz, where he has ranked the top 25 free agents. We are going to go through, Matt and I are, and we're going to take the top 20, top 22, really, because we're going to exclude Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gosman, who accepted their qualifying offers, will be returning to the Mets and Giants, respectively. So we're going to take the remaining top 20, uh, banter about them a little bit, but then really come up with predictions for where they're going to go. And um, I'm kind of interested to, to see where maybe not the stars go. Like to me, it's clear there's like a big four, right? Like Romuto, Bauer, Springer, and LeMahieu. I'm really interested to see how Matt and I might differ on some of the lower guys, but we're going to go in Anthony's order. Number one on his list, JT Romuto, catcher from the Phillies, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he is like the best catcher in baseball because they're, you know, you might argue for Grandal, you might argue for some other guys, but he's clearly the best catcher available in what's like a surprisingly deep catcher market. I think Phillies fans will lose their minds if they traded Sixto Sanchez for him and do not get him to return. Matt, where's he going? Where? How do you value a 30 year old catcher? There's a lot of like, there's, it's a, not a, I wouldn't say a foregone conclusion, but it seems like a lot of people seem to think it is a fait accompli that, um, the Mets are going to sign JT Real Muto um, because they need a catcher. They've got a new owner who looks poised to at least make a splash somewhere in free agency. And I always do like the kind of the 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 logic of taking a good player from one of your division rivals because it kind of kind of enhances the impact of it. So for just like uh, the Phillies signing Zach Wheeler from the Mets, the Mets potentially signing JT Real Muto could have that kind of outsized impact. 
That said, I think he's going to end up back with the Phillies. Yeah, I don't have a good feeling on this one. I think you're right that people just sort of assume Steve Cohen is going to drop like $1,100 billion and sign every player. I I think you're right, because if you look at the teams that like badly need a catcher, you know, there's some non-contenders, certainly. But I, I think about like the Rays aren't going to sign him, right? Like the, the Rockies and the Rangers, like I think you're right. I, I think the Phillies need him so badly. I just don't know what to make of the Phillies because I don't know who's running the show. And there's an argument that they are the fifth best team in that division, which they, they almost just were. Um, I agree with you. Back to the Phillies. Um, I don't like that we agree, by the way, on the on the first. <laughs> I kind of thought you were going to say Mets, but you know, we'll uh, let, let's keep it moving. All right, number two is Trevor Bauer, who just won the National League Cy Young Award. He did have a 173 ERA plus. Um, he has really turned himself into uh, an elite level pitcher. Uh, <laughs> Will Leach and I. By the way, we are kind of writing up like a separate free agent draft together that has not been published yet, which Matt, you haven't even read yet. There is a line that Will Leach came up with in there that made me laugh a great deal. And he was talking about how Bauer, you know, had been okay for a couple of years, really good in 2018, not really that good in, in 2019. And he referred to Bauer as loud gill mesh, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> um, I do take issue with a little bit of the uh, Bauer mythology here. That seems to indicate that through the sheer power of hard work and science, he turned himself from just like a guy into an elite pitcher. He was the number three overall pick out of a very good baseball school at UCLA. He won the Golden Spikes Award. You know, he's not he's not a total nobody. I obviously respect that he, you know, has gone into the lab and helped put driveline on the map. I wish uh, he was not so abrasive to people on social media, but I'm, I'm pushing back on the narrative a little bit. Either way, the man did just win the Cy Young Award without a doubt, the best pitcher available. He has talked in the past about taking one-year deals. Uh, he's walked to that back a little bit. I actually think now is the worst time to take a one-year deal because you'll never, ever have a better platform year than a Cy Young and a 173 ERA. Where's Trevor Bauer going? Um, I think he's going to the Mets. Um, I think that Sandy Alderson coming out basically and saying on radio, like, I really like this guy. We're in the entertainment business. And I think that like, the stuff like I think that he would be a good influence on the pitchers on our staff because of like his sort of advanced training techniques and maybe like jumpstart some of what the 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 uh, research and development that the Mets are trying to do. Like it's so rare for a GM to go out on, or he's not the GM, but for you know a, a, a front office official to go out publicly and be like, yeah, I really like this guy. I'd love him on our team. It's sort of just, to me that says like we're we're going to really try and get this guy. And I think that like there's something about Bauer's personality besides just the money, which I think the Mets are prepared to spend of just like being able to be um, in a sort of have that platform of playing in New York and being at the center of it all in the first year under Steve Cohen. Um, that's my prediction. I do think the Mets are going to spend big. I, I think the desperate need for a starter is a little lessened now that Stroman is going back there. I think he's coming to New York, though. I think he's going to go to the Yankees. I think the Yankees desperately need starting pitching help because at the moment, three-fifths of their rotation are free agents. Tanaka, uh, Hap and Paxton, right? So it's Cole and then maybe Jordan Montgomery, a whole ton of question marks. I know he's got history, right? Cole and Bauer, I know all that. Um, he he would probably be, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say a good fit in New York, but he certainly likes the stage and the Yankees can afford him. So I'm going, I'm going Yankees. We'll both have him in New York. Fair enough. Number three, George Springer, who is uh, formerly of the Houston Astros outfielder, and I'm going to jump the gun and give you my prediction here. I haven't yet picked the Mets 
George Springer is going to the Mets. And I think the reason for that is, you know, we know they're going to make a big splash. I haven't said Real Muto there. I haven't said Bauer there. What they really need and have needed for a long time is a true center fielder. You know, you've kind of had Nemo there and he's been okay. And you've kind of had Conforto for a little bit and he's been maybe a little less than okay. Um, and there's a lot of left-handed bats. Those guys are lefties. Dom Smith is a lefty. You put Springer in the middle. All of a sudden that outfield is fantastic. And he can stay there for a couple of years, slide over to a corner at that point. George Springer is going to go to the Mets, not just because he's from Connecticut. I don't actually care about that part too much, <laughs> but because the fit makes too much sense. Um, I agree with you on the fit. I actually think he's of these of all these free agents for the reasons you stated. He he um, he does fit best with the Mets. It, it, if not for Alderson's comments, I think I would have predicted him to the Mets. Um, I'm sort of I don't really know what to make of Springer. You know, like um, MLB Trade Rumors does their predictions, and they have the White Sox on Springer, and I just don't really see that. Um, and I, I I think that the the staff at MLB Trade Rumors does a great job. It just seems like, you know, they've got Luis Robert. It sort of, and I know that Springer would be fine in, in a corner, but it seems like you hurt some of his value by putting him in a corner. Um, so I'm not really sure. Um, I think um, I'm going to throw out, without a ton of conviction, the Cardinals. Now that is interesting. I, I have a hard time seeing the Cardinals being the team that signs a big ticket free agent this year, just based on non-tendering uh, Colton Wong but they absolutely have a desperate need for outfield defense, right? <laughs> or outfield offense, excuse me. Um, so then what do you do? Do you have what Fowler in a corner and then uh, O'Neal, Carlson, Bader all fighting each other? That's why I said not a ton of conviction. But I think yeah. one of the things one of the things that I think that's what's why, why I value is someone like Springer is that like there's versatility there. There's some baked in versatility. Whereas like, for example, if you sign him, you can play him in center field for now and maybe move him to left or right field in a couple of years. And you know that like you'll always be able to find a spot for him. That's why I, I like just signing up the middle players have that extra value because like there's so, somewhere for them to go as opposed to, you know, more of a DH type that we'll get to in a second where like if they don't really hit. And then you're kind of stuck with a roster. It's like a it, it, it really burns you because it's a roster spot. You're not going to cut them, and then they they kind of lose their value pretty quickly. So um, that's is one of those things where it's like you know what he's better than what we have. So why don't we bring him in and we can figure it out? Because as we talked about, stars and depth is the way to go. And like I don't think we're at the point where we need to be like oh we have to make way for Dylan Carlson just yet or like you know build our future around Tyler O'Neill. These are these are are players you want to have on your team, but Springer is you know a level above them. Okay, I'll say Mets. Matt will say Cardinals. I will be right. Matt will be wrong. I think that the next guy in the list here, so this is DJ LeMahieu. This is sort of like the end of the elite top level list for me. Um, LeMahieu obviously just had two very, very good years with the Yankees. I'm really getting a kick out of people looking at the fact that he hit better at home in Yankee Stadium because like two years ago, that's exactly what they said when he was coming out of Colorado. (laughs) I'm not not worried that much about this. He's a, he cannot be shifted. I looked this up the other day. He hasn't been shifted legitimately in like five years. Can play a couple of infield spots. Well, he's not young necessarily. He'll be 32. And that's, I think, the kind of profile that fits in on basically every team. Like there's maybe the Astros, I guess. There's not really a team I can think of that could not find room for DJ LeMahieu. So when I was thinking about where he might go, um, you could kind of guess anywhere and be right. But I was thinking to myself, well... What's a team that has pretty good pitching, wants to contend, and has an enormous problem on offense, especially in the infield? And that team, to me, is the Milwaukee Brewers, right? You could move Keston Hero to first base. You could play LeMahieu at first base. You could play LeMahieu at third base. They do not have offense. Like, their their lineup, aside from Christian Yelich, 
and Lorenzo Cain, if he comes back, is honestly pretty dreadful, but I like their pitching. So I'm going to say that the Brewers will step up and go get LeMahieu. Interesting choice. Not where I would have gone, but I, 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 like, the, I like the logic behind it. <laughs> to me, it's, this goes back similar to what I was saying about the, some of the value of the Mets getting Ramuto from a division rival. To me, the teams I'd be scared of would be the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox just because they might want to tweak their tweak the Yankees and the Blue Jays because while it's a little bit of a weird fit because you probably have to play LeMahieu at third base. Um, I mean, LeMahieu has legitimately been the Yankees' best player in the last two years. If they lose him, that's a huge ding for them. Um, that's why I think he is ultimately going to stay with the Yankees and they will make do everything they can to bring him back. So my prediction is LeMahieu comes back to stays with the Yankees, but I think that it would be really fascinating if the Blue Jays or Red Sox went all out to get him. I think that's totally reasonable. I think they do want to keep him. In my fictional world, I just had them spending a bunch of money on Trevor Bauer, and this at least avoids the problem of, well, do you get a shortstop? Do you move Gleyber Torres to second base? Because like that's a whole other thing. Number five, Marcelo Zuna, who just had a, a huge year for the Braves after two like only okay years for the Cardinals. He is 30 years old. I don't want to say he can't play the outfield and has to be a DH, but I'm not really sure I'd end that sentence. So Marcelo Zuna, where do you place him? I think that the just the the comfort with the Braves is going to be such that that the Braves will bring him back, um, and also just the fact that like they because of the um, really kind of you know um, below market deals they've locked up for um, they have uh, Ronald Cunha Jr. and Ozzy Albies locked up for that they have sort of probably have a little more freedom to make this kind of kind of move, um, and that's why I think he'll he'll stay there. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning towards that way as well. Um, when I think about some of the other teams that really could use some offense in the outfield, like obviously the Indians could use an outfield bat. Do I do I see them ponying up for him? Is he that terribly different from Frendel Reyes? You know, not really. It feels like it's maybe too soon for, you know, the, the Tigers or the Mariners or somebody to jump in on this. I'm going to say there's an outside chance that the Cubs go nuts and do something weird, but I actually agree with you. I, I think... I think the fit here with the Braves uh, is kind of perfect, and I think that's where he'll go back to. Uh, number six on Anthony's list was Marcus Stroman, who accepted the qualifying offer, returning to the Mets. Number seven to me is maybe the most confusing free agent in the entire market. I'm not, I have no idea what to make of Marcus Simeon at all. If he spent like five years being okay, you know, defense wasn't great, offense was like slightly below average. Then in 2019, massive season, finished third in the AL MVP, uh, huge hitting season, improvement on defense. And then 2020 was kind of back to where he'd been. He'd been. He was injured a little bit, and I hate to put too much emphasis on a part of this partial season, but at the moment, it sure seems to me like 2019 is the fluke. He has also got to consider the fact that next year, the shortstop market is absolutely ludicrous. Lindor will be out there, Seager, Story, Baez, Correa, does he want to sign a one-year deal and go back out in that? Probably not. Where is Marcus Simeon? I guess the question is, who is Marcus Simeon? Um, I don't really know. And I think that's, I mean, I I, uh, I think it's hard to discuss him without discussing all the shortstops. Um, and I guess we can make straight up predictions for those other guys as we go down the list. But I think it's a really interesting group because you've got him, you've got Didi Gregorius, you've got Andrelton Simmons, and you have... Um, uh, the, the shortstop coming over from the KBO, uh, Sung Kim, right? So it's like, how do you really, I'm sure these are four players where like the teams are going to value them very differently. You know, I mean, Anthony has them, has Simeon as, as his highest ranked of that group, but like I could see, you know, you could, you could probably order the four of them 
in four different ways. So I think it's really, really hard to hard to know. I, I think that like I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back with the ace, frankly, when all is said and done, that like the depending on how the market plays out, the, the ace still kind of need a shortstop and that he has had his career year there. So like I could see the ace kind of waiting it out and and that's where he ends up. I almost think he might go to the Angels. Um, or the Phillies, right? I'm thinking about teams that desperately need a shortstop. I guess the Angels could play David Fletcher if they really needed to. But yeah, I, I don't think he's going to get like a big long-term deal like you might have expected last winter. I don't think he's going to want to sign a one-year deal. So I, I think you're going to have a team. You know what? I'm going to change my mind entirely here. You know where he's going to end up? The Reds, right? D- do the Reds have a shortstop right now? Could you name the Reds shortstop if the season started today? No, and I think I think it's kind of like musical musical chairs, right? It's like the Reds, the Phillies, the A's, like all these guys, like the the this group, you know, the Angels. These group is gonna the, the, these names that we're talking about are gonna end up mixing and matching with 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 these clubs. Like the Reds are the Reds and Phillies are definitely each gonna get one of these guys. It's just kind of a matter of which one they get. So I'm gonna say Simeon to the Reds. I'm gonna say Simmons uh, to the A's, and then I guess that means I got to put Gregory somewhere. Um, I know Yankee fans want him to go back to the Yankees, but that seems unlikely. So uh, let's say Gregorius to, who did I leave out? The Angels? How about the Angels? We'll go with that. All right. Number eight, Michael Brantley, the, uh, the, the man known as a professional hitter, which I guess is kind of a cliche, but maybe it's true in his case. I was a little surprised he didn't get a qualifying offer again after Cleveland did, you know, failed the same thing a couple years ago outfielder but you know kind of also more of a dh um great contact reliably above average hitters not young 33 years old he is he feels to me like he's not a building block so much as like the last piece you add when you're ready to win right so so where is he going to be he's a tough one because i think you know this is one of those that where it depends it kind of plays out a little bit of the um is he nationally going to have a dh because suddenly he becomes a lot more appealing to um to clubs in a DH world. And so like, I think we'll probably get some sort of resolution on that soon, just because um, uh, we kind of have to for teams to plan for the off season. I'm sure guys like um, uh, Marcelo Zuna and Brantley for that matter are really anxious to know like, Hey, when is this going to happen? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, assume it happens and say that he ends up with the nationals. I'm going to take the coward's way out here. Uh, the Astros need outfielders, right? Like all three of their starting outfielders, are free agents. And I think Kyle Tucker played well enough that he probably deserves a job, but that team still needs some bats. He was comfortable there. We know at least they'll have the DH. I'm sending Michael Brantley right back to Houston. Uh, that's that's lame, right? That's just kind of picking the chalk. Yeah, but it makes sense. I mean, some of these really make sense. So, you know, I, I can't blame you. Speaking of being lame and picking the chalk and sending a guy right back to where he came from, number 10, Justin Turner. I Dodgers. can't believe... <laughs> What's that? Dodgers. Dodgers. Of course. Right. Um, I cannot believe this makes me feel so old that Justin Turner has now been an above average hitter for the Dodgers for seven years. It feels to me like just the other day that the Mets non-tendered him and he went to the Dodgers and reworked his swing and became a superstar. Seven years. How is that possible? He's still a consistently above average hitter. He's an okay third baseman. He's probably not your long-term option there, but you know, maybe a, a first base, third base, DH-ish if that's around option it's really really hard for me to see him going anywhere aside from the dodgers yeah there's this is like this is like the, this there may not be more of a stone cold lock um right. in the recent season than him him resigning with the dodgers i'm actually it's such a lock i'm actually surprised it hasn't already been announced 
because that seems like it should happen at any minute. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. We will come back and do the second half of our top 20 free agent predictions. I'm Xavier Scruggs, host of The Bigs. And this ain't your average sports podcast. This is MLB's first player-to-player show. You'll hear behind-the-scenes insights from guys like Chicago White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson. You know, I was the youngest, and, you know, being black coming up, man, it was definitely weird, you know, trying to have some locker room presence. I formed myself into a player I am today, so now there's a lot of respect that comes with that. Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher David Price. Double A was in Montgomery. We had six guys staying in a two-bedroom. I slept on an air mattress under the dining room table. And my guy, St. Louis Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty. My mom was scared. She was like, it's a scary place to be in because I don't want, you know, she saw what happened in Kaepernick. The best way to hear these conversations is to subscribe. Find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen. Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Matt, we are on name number 11 of our 1 to 20 free agent predictions list. We just both said Justin Turner was very clearly going back to the Dodgers. Here's another guy who I think I could easily see going back to the only team he's known. Masahiro Tanaka, number 11. Where's he going for you? Yeah, it's hard. It's, again, he's, it, it feels lame, but it it's, feels hard to see him going anywhere but the Yankees. You know, he's had success there. Um, there's a, it just feels like a really good fit. They, they, they need pitching. They need starting pitching. So at least some starting pitching certainty. And I guess like, you know, there's been rumors of him having like being on the verge of needing uh, elbow surgery for years, but it hasn't happened. So he's obviously found a, uh, a a good, uh, working relationship with the Yankees, um, uh, medical staff and pitching and pitching coaches. So it just feels it, it similar to Turner. It sort of feels, it would, it would seem strange for him to end up anywhere else. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with you on this. I mean, we know the Yankees need more than one starter, right? So let's say they do what I said. Cole, Bauer, now they bring back Tanaka. You know, Montgomery's your fourth starter. You kind of piece together number five from Severino if he comes back or Herman if he comes back or Davey Garcia. Um, they always seem to like a guy who has already succeeded in the in the Bronx. So I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you there. The next name on the list is actually another Yankee starting pitcher, James Paxton, who, you know, I guess has had constant injuries and I feel like everybody likes to say he's going to go to the Blue Jays because he's Canadian. That feels lazy to me. And they also just already signed a hard throwing lefty who's had a lot of issues and Robbie Wright. I don't think he's going to the Blue Jays. I have an idea. It's a bad idea, but let's hear your bad idea first. Oh, no, I want to. Um, yeah, he's, he's a weird one because the, the he's, um, you know, you can always, you can still dream on him and it's kind of like, well, if we get the good James Patrick, remember a couple years ago when the Yankees trade for him, that was like a big trade. Right, it was like, oh, this guy is going to be the missing piece for the Yankees' rotation, and it didn't really um, pan out. I'm getting kind of like the, we're getting down to the point where I'm really just kind of like, you know, I I like to kind of play a little just kind of gut feel with with, with archetypes and, and, and narratives. Um, I'm getting kind of like a Twins feel from him. Um, just feels like they need pitching. They could always use some upside, and there's something about that just feels like a match for me. That's a good one. I was thinking. The Red Sox need any pitcher who is ambulatory, so that's a start. I was thinking that the Mariners might have interest in bringing him back, but here's where I'm actually going to put him. I'm going to send him out to San Francisco Giants, and they have really started to look like a team that has done a good job uh, with reclamation projects, like Kevin Gossman was obviously very good. They got some interesting work out of Drew Smiley, 
you know, they don't have much of a rotation behind Cueto and Gossman. Like is Logan Webb, your number three starter. I don't know if you're a pitcher. Is there anywhere else you'd rather be than that ballpark, even though it was a little more hitter friendly this year. So James Paxton on a, like a one year with an option kind of deal to rebuild his value with the giants. I, th- I think I don't want to say I'm confident in that because I'm like literally making this up as we're talking, but I could totally see that making sense. Fair enough. Our first reliever is here, uh, Liam Hendricks, who you could probably argue was the single best reliever in baseball this year and last year. And yet he was designated for assignment just over two years ago. It's been a very weird career path for Liam Hendricks. Where is he going to go? Like everybody needs a reliever. Who's going to sign this reliever? Um, I, I think Hendricks is being a little undersold in the free agent discussion for the reasons you mentioned. Obviously I've talked about him on the, my affinity for him on this podcast before. Um, I do think he has a strong case as the best reliever in baseball. And if you look at, you know, all the free agents, you know, there aren't many who you can say, oh, this guy is definitely one of like the top five at his position, right? Ramuto is clearly one of the top five catchers. I'm not sure Trevor Bauer is one of the top five pitchers. He's in the conversation, but it's not like a lock. Um, George Springer is probably one of the top five center fielders. And then after that, it gets a little, I guess, LeMahieu is a top five second baseman, but it gets it gets kind of hazy right around there. Whereas I think you could say with some pretty, with, with you know, understanding the volatility of relievers, I still think that like he's legitimately one of the top five relievers in a game and that there's some real, real value there. The other thing I like about, actually, it's weird. My feeling on signing relievers has changed over the years because with relievers, you, even if they sort of like regress, you still have a place for them in your bullpen. It's sort of like the opposite problem of what I was talking about before, where like, you know, if you sign JT Realmuto and he hits a wall, you're kind of stuck with him and you can't really get anything from him. Whereas like if Liam Hendricks goes from being your number one reliever to your number four reliever over the course of the contract, yeah, that's a disappointment, but at least like he's still providing some value to you in that role. Um, so um, I think that uh, he's going to go to the Phillies because yes. they, desperately need, they desperately need bullpen help. And <laughs> Um, it would be an easy way to to to, to, to fill that hole. Yeah, I, I was also thinking of the team that maybe needs ten new relief pitchers, and I guess you could say the Red Sox are that as well. But yeah, I, I don't know what to make of the Phillies. Like, you have Harper, you have uh, Zach Wheeler, you have Aaron Nola, you have Hoskins. Like, you know, you you've got talent there. Alec Alec Baum just came up. You have a talent and a ton of work, and you can't start with that core and not like build around them to improve. But then again, I also, I don't know who's working in the front office. You have to sign conservatively five relievers. I think this winter might as well start with the best one. Now we just went from one of, uh, one of Matt, Matt's favorite names to one of my favorite names, Jackie Bradley Jr. I have been on the Jackie Bradley train for like five years and I've been consistently disappointed because his hard hit numbers are so good. And he's just wildly inconsistent. I remember like the first two years he came up in 2013-14 he was arguably the worst hitter in baseball and then the next two years he was really really good right looked like he'd be a star and then the next three years it was kind of meh and then this year was really good and he pairs all that with some of the most elite defense in baseball in the outfield I think there's only actually two center fielders on the market Springer and Bradley and after that you're out of luck so I thought about the Phillies for Bradley because I don't really have a center fielder but I haven't sent anybody to Toronto yet and I think the Blue Jays make a lot of sense here. They're they're in a position to you know contend and be aggressive right now. Their outfield defense was truly wretched, right? And they've got a lot of righties out there. You know, Grichik's a righty, Gurriel's a righty, Tasker Hernandez is a righty. So you put Bradley in center, you push everybody else to the corners, you improve your defense, 
if you get anything out of him on offense, it's a bonus. And he still gets to play a couple of games a year in center field in Fenway, which I think he's probably done better than anyone who ever lived. I actually think that makes sense. Um, you know, what's funny is that we always joke that the Rockies should sign uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. because of the spacious center field, and he is an elite defensive center fielder. And I'm looking at Fangraph's uh, depth chart projection, projections, and at center field, the Rockies rank 30th. So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, you know who really should sign him is the Rockies. <laughs> that's, that's 30th out of how many teams? 30. Uh, oh, 30, right. Um, if he was a right-handed hitter, I would say Jackie Bradley Jr. is a stone-cold lock for the Mets, but they don't need another left-handed hitter. I think he's going to the Astros. They they are losing basically their entire outfield, um, and um, I just think it, it's a it's it's a really good fit. I'll buy that one. All right, next on our list, um, Taiwan Walker. I, I have a lot of issues with uh, trying to figure out who exactly he is. He was at one point a very highly touted prospect with the Mariners. Got traded to Arizona, got hurt, went back to Seattle, was okay, was traded to Toronto, and in six starts put up a 137 ERA, which is lovely, but you know, wildly unsupported by underlying metrics. He, I think he and James McCann are the two guys I look at where I just I don't quite get the hype around them. I think he's fine. I think he's a fourth or fifth starter. Like who couldn't use that? It's it's perfectly fine. Uh I I just have never been all that high on him. And I guess that means I could send him literally anywhere. I'm going to say he goes back to Seattle because why not? Yeah, it's, it's, it, I think we're at the, 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 um, the point where it's, it's kind of what we were talking about with the shortstops where there's a few right-handed pitchers who kind of come into this group together that are kind of like, well, they could go to any number of places. Like I, th- I think of him, I think of Jake Odorizzi as another name where it's like, you know, you, you don't get that excited about, but he could have some value. Um, and I also probably, I'll admit that I probably differ with, um, uh, our friend Anthony Castrofitz's rankings here. I would probably rank um, Charlie Morton higher than uh, yes than uh, Tywin Walker. Although we'll get to Morton in a second because he does crack the top twenty. So um, looking at teams that need pitchers, I feel like I don't. He seems like more of the kind of guy who's going to slot in at like kind of like a mediocre team who's like, oh well, you know, maybe there's still a little bit upside there. Um, Tywin Walker, I don't know. <laughs> He seemed to like <laughs> Toronto, but they got Robbie Ray. I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, I was going to, I was actually going to put Odorizzi in the, in Toronto um, and have them not bring back, you know, Tyron Walker is going to go to the angels. Okay. I could see it. There you go. I'll buy it. Number 15 on our list is someone Matt referenced earlier is uh Haseon Kim, the shortstop from Korea, who is 25 years old. Just put up a, a really impressive line, 308, 399, 526, with 30 homers, and he is expected to be posted this month um, or, or early next month by his Korean team, which means that any major league team can negotiate and sign with him. It's hard to know what to make of him. You know, he's highly regarded. He's young. Um, there's a lot of shortstops available this year and even more next year. So I sort of think where he's going to want to go is a team that's going to give him a ton of playing time right away. Just like say you are our shortstop, you know, maybe not like have to bounce around. And I'm trying to think of like an up and coming team that doesn't necessarily need like a win right this second player, but someone who's going to be young enough to like grow with maybe uh, an impressive pitching core and a questionable offense. And I'm going to say he ends up with the Tigers. Interesting. Um, I, and this is one of the, he's one of those guys where I think the value of him um, is going to vary wildly. Um, across the industry, you know, John Paul Morosi wrote a piece for MLB.com a few weeks ago that was pretty measured in sort of the scouting reports on on how good um, Kim is going to be, kind of like kind of you know more of like an average average player. 
Whereas if you know, for example, if you go down when we trade rumors, they have him ranked at the seven, number seven free agent in this year's class. A little more, a little more bullish on him, and um, they have him going to the Rangers, which I think makes a fair amount of sense. Um, similar to what you're talking about in terms of a team that's an up and coming team that is, you won't need to be like the guy, but we'll get a lot of playing time. They can move around Andrus and like there's there, there's an opportunity for him there. Um in the in the past the the um the Rangers have been pretty aggressive in uh going after free agents in uh from Japan and Korea. So I think that there's there's you could see a little bit of a fit there. Yeah, I could buy that um for sure. I, I cannot overstate how weak the Texas offense was and has been. Obviously I love Joey Gallo Isaiah Connor Falefa is an okay hitter and a very good fielder. And that that might be it. Like it feels to me like it's time to move on from the Andrus and uh Ruki Odor combination in the middle infield. And I think Kim would be a, a perfect fit for that. Next on our list, Colton Wong. I think everybody was surprised that the Cardinals declined his $12.5 million club option. I think they look at it as the predictor of a uh weak winter, and that very well might be true. I wasn't shocked. Like, I don't think defense gets paid in the same way offense does you know he's he's never been a great bat he's had his moments the defense is very good but how much is a strong second baseman worth in a world where there are fewer balls in play everything's in the air or strikeouts so I was not as surprised by this as everybody else was that being said he's a very good defender he's a bat that won't kill you somebody's going to sign him and I think somebody's going to be pretty happy for it and so I'm thinking he might fit with the Red Sox because they don't really have much of a right side of the infield anymore they tried to have Jose Peraza didn't really work out. He's already gone. Michael Chavis is kicking around. I could easily see him there on like a reasonable two or three year deal. Well, that was going to be my pick, but you kind of just you 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 can still pick it. it. We could be the same. Uh no, that's no fun. Um, I'm gonna say uh, uh, the Indians. I think that you know they they don't really have a second baseman either, and like he's not going to break the bank, and he's kind of like a, a known quantity. Um, so that's that's my pick. All right, we are uh, almost to the end of our list here. Next up is Charlie Morton, and I have so many questions about Charlie Morton. He's been very good for like four years now, except he's thirty seven. Except he reportedly wants to stay near Florida. Even his fastball velocity is confusing. As I tweeted out earlier, it is down if you look at it year over year, but up if you look at it month over month within the 2020 season. He still might retire. He has mentioned that. I think he's going to play. Um, I think he's going to want to stay in the East. And I, I think I have a really strong fit for him here. I have a team that is in the Southeast that is a contending team that could use a 37-year-old pitcher that has a very young and talented and mostly unproven starting rotation that tried to fill it with a veteran pitcher last year, two of them actually. Neither one of them worked out. I'm talking about Cole Hamels and Felix Hernandez, and I'm talking about Charlie Morton going back to the team in Atlanta that drafted him in 2002. I feel really good about this one. I think that's a really good fit. Um, and I think that if not the Rays, it will be the Braves. So I will stick, I'll stay with you and on, on that front. Um, speaking of, of uh, older players, Next on our list, Nelson Cruz, who is a DH and does not yet know if the National League will have a DH, which I think is a bigger problem for him than it is for Marcelo Zuna. If it's only the American League, he's got some limited options. I could easily see him just staying with Minnesota. You know, they sure seem to like him there. What What are you up to with Cruz? Yeah, he feel, it, it, it's not quite the, the, the Justin Turner level there, but he's been so good there. There's definitely like he's loved by the fans. He just, you know, he's like a local humanitarian. He's really involved in the community. It just feels like, you know, it'll probably be another one year deal. 
Um, and that's great for, you know, certainly the twins would be <laughs> in favor of that. Um, so that's, it, it feels, if not, then it's close to a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. Number 19 on our list, someone we actually already talked about a little bit, uh, Andrew and Simmons. I think I said he was going to the A's. Did you end up having a choice on him? What? I actually don't think, I think it's, um, I think, uh, I think I had Simeon going back to the A's and I think that um, Gregorius will go to the Reds. So I could see him going to the Phillies. All right. Our final name on the list. Uh, and then I'm just going to kind of uh, cherry pick a name after that, that I want to talk about anyway, Mike Miner who's had himself a really interesting up and down career. He had a little bit of Cy Young support in 2019, you know, lost velocity in 2020, was traded to the A's, wasn't generally that good, but, you know, is only a year removed from being a pretty valuable starter. I think this is another one of those guys you talked about where it's like, oh yeah, I I could see him ending up pretty much anywhere. Um, So why don't you just throw a dart at one of the teams for Mike Miner? Cardinals. You know, a team that wants to contend but always needs a little bit of pitching depth or the Cubs, one of those teams. Yeah, Angels. He's going to the Angels for me. I mean, I think you could say that about any pitcher and not be wrong. <laughs> he feels kind of Angels-y. But yeah, that's, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I but like, you know, we, we didn't even get, you know, there's a couple other pitchers that, you know, we didn't mention that are, didn't make the top 20 that I think are interesting, like Odorizzi, as I said, who I think will end up with the, um, with the Blue Jays. But then again, I mean, this is actually, you know, it's not a bad year to be a starting pitcher, I think, because there's actually a middle of the road starting pitcher because there's a lot of demand and there's not a clear after Bauer. There's a lot of just like it's it's unclear, you know, like who's who's the best. So like if you're you're kind of in that, that tier two or tier two and three are kind of huge. And so I think there's, you know, um, and there's a lot of good teams that that are looking for starting pitching depth. So you know, we'll see. I think it, it could vary widely of like how teams get valued and and how play what kind of contracts some of these guys get, depending on who signs first, who signs last, and kind of like the how the uh, the su- supply and demand of, uh, goes over the, the course of the offseason. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the names in Anthony's honorable mention list, and can you imagine in like I don't know 2014 maybe realizing that you could piece together a rotation of Corey Kluber, John Lester, Jake Arrieta, and Cole Hamels? Because <laughs> if you like name value. There's that. There were a couple names. Quintana is a free agent too. He was like Chris Archer is a free agent. You know, there were a couple names. I was surprised that that he did not have a little higher. I was surprised Brad Hand was not on this list. um, Who got non tendered by by Cleveland? Though he's very good. Um, I'm 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 not that big of a Brad Hand guy. I got to say, I think I might rather have amongst the relievers. I think I'd probably rather have Trinan, maybe even Trevor Rosenthal. there's something about Hand's repertoire that I feel like it just against good teams. Like I'm just, it's he doesn't. I don't when I, when I watch him face good teams, I just don't feel like oh this is you know he, he this is lights out. And his his he's one of those guys where his stat page and does not match my eye test. When I watch him, I'm like really those are the stats he puts up. And maybe that's unfair of me because like I usually try and be data driven in my approach. But I think that I I feel like he's working on a fine line and um, it could go south quickly. Yeah, I, I actually I do understand what you're saying there. I think I think his velocity is down a little bit. I completely agree with everything you said. I still think he's the outcome has been so good that if the Dodgers can give Trine in one year and ten million last year, that a bunch of teams should have wanted to do the same for Hand this year. Um, and then the one name that we didn't get to that I did want to talk about briefly is Jock Peterson. And I know Jock Peterson hit 190 this year. It, he is a very specific kind of player for a very specific role. Right? He's a left-handed power hitter. Um, he will not hit lefties at all. He is unplayable against lefty pitchers. He's a competent corner outfielder. He's not great. He won't kill you. And I'm thinking to myself, 
well, where can we send him? What team uh, could use like a powerful lefty corner outfielder, maybe to replace the lefty outfielder they have who was supposed to hit for power and didn't? That to me is the Chicago White Sox. I never understood the Nomar Mazzara move last year. He wasn't very good. If you can lose Mazzara or you know put him on the bench or whatever, put Jock Peterson in the outfield there. Now that that is the setup for me. Um, that's not, that's a pretty good fit. You know our. Um... Uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Randy Wilkins, our former guest, the uh, the filmmaker and big Yankee fan, has been preaching uh, Peterson to the Yankees pretty pretty heavily on Twitter uh, during during he was doing short during, porch dur- short porch. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a fit there. I think that you know the Yankees have actually had some smoke and mirrors with some of their those bench guys the last couple of years, like Mike Talkman and uh, Mike Ford, who just haven't were just were not very good this year, and that like. You know the Yankees also have a lot of right-handed power hitters, and that like there, there would definitely be at bats for Peterson with the Yankees as not like a straight platoon, but like you know you could sort of you could move him around between DH and the corners and even center sometimes, and like find spots for you, you, he would get a lot of playing time on the Yankees, probably similar to the kind of playing time he gets on the Dodgers because anytime a righty starts, you want him in the lineup. Here is the last player I want to ask you about, uh, and I do just briefly want to mention that I like Drew Smiley, who went up from like a 90 mile an hour fastball to almost 94 of the Giants last year. I know what the rumors have said today. Do you actually think there's a reasonable scenario where Yadi Molina leaves the Cardinals? Um, I don't, it's kind of hard to see. Um, and just because also it's like, I think that they, they, they still need a catcher for one. Right. It's not like he'll break, he'll not like he'll break the bank. It's just hard to imagine them let, letting him go. It just, I think it'd be, it'd be, I like when players stay with teams. Um, I think it'd be kind of lame if he left, to be honest with you. Um, so I hope he stays. I mean, the fact of the matter, if you look at like, um, the respect he still has in the game, I'm not even sure if his pop times are still as good as they ever were, but if you look at like attempted steals against across the league this year, like the, the Cardinals had by far the fewest attempted stolen bases against this year in baseball. People like he's still like has That's been true for years. For years. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's 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 remarkable. And I think that like, you know, when people talk about, you know, uh you know, Yadi Molina is he a Hall of Famer, and like I'm not saying stolen bases are such a big part of the game right now that, you know, this is like, you know, adding, you know, you know, two two wins a year or whatever. But I think there are certain things, and this kind of goes back to how war has not always properly captured what catchers do and i think that Moline has always been someone who who does things that like aren't captured by war and that's like kind of a perfect example of it and the fact that he still has that like club in his bag so to speak at whatever age 37 is pretty impressive yeah i agree with you completely i don't think we have successfully quantified everything that catchers can do i also think this isn't really based in stats or anything he's got more value to the cardinals than he does any other team right like I don't think he's got the same gravitas if he shows up in the Yankees clubhouse as he does in St. Louis. I'm not sure I can actually back that up. Uh, that is our, our show for this week. As we've been talking, my my wife has just G-chatted me to say that she just did an interview about her career with her high school teacher. And uh, this man from the Midwest is apparently a big fan of, of mine. So I'm going to go find out uh, what that's about. That's a nice ego boost. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our <laughs> Our, uh, nice, pl- nice flex to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, listen, this literally happened as we were talking. I couldn't help but uh, put that in here. Um, I hope he's a podcast listener. I don't know if he is, but if he is, hello to um, anonymous Midwestern Ohio high school teacher. That is our show for this week. Thanks for listening to our free agent draft, our prediction draft. This is the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Podcast.